Let's go to work. As barbers, we cut hair and fade all day. This podcast goes beyond the barber's chair and is about the rest of our story. Positioning ourselves for success, avoiding costly mistakes, and continuing to grow and thrive as barbers for years to come. Join us as we look at the whole world of barbering and go beyond the barber's chair. In today's episode, we're talking about avoiding the most common ways to get into trouble with Barbicide, with Barbicide's Ivan Zoot. Ivan is one of the barbering industry's most respected educators. With world records in haircutting, and has written over a dozen books, including Be a $100,000 Haircutter and 100 by 100, 100 Clients in 100 Days. We talk about these errors today, and uh, I'm just going to go straight to the interview. I think that Barbicide is, uh, or I, not think, just from my own experience from seeing people in different shops and different salons, I think Barbicide is probably the most misunderstood or misused product on the market. Because well, we, uh, we hope it's used, and we we know occasionally it's misused, but we're thankful that we're just about everywhere. You know, we, we joke around at Barberside. We say there are no new customers. You know, literally every beauty and barber supply dealer, distributor, supply house, vendor of every type is a Barberside customer. They're buying and offering the product to beauty and barber professionals. We are the number one brand in the world. We are the dominant choice in the industry. There are some other products out there uh, in the category, but, you know, in the grand scheme of the math, they're, they're not on the, they're not on the deck. Uh, in that regard, and we're 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 proud of that. We're we're grateful for that. You'll see me and hear me speak about Barberside, and the first thing I always say is on behalf of uh, the ownership group and everyone who works hard to produce Barberside every day. The number one thing we have to say is thank you, thank you for decades, literally seventy plus years of support of a brand that is not only everywhere but iconic. In the industry, there's a there's a barbicide jar in the Smithsonian Institution in the museum in Washington. Um, it is that understood. And what's amazing is it, it extends just beyond the industry. If you ask a non-beauty and barber professional, anybody who's ever had a haircut, which is everybody, you say, hey, what's the blue stuff in the jar on the counter at the barber shop? They know the name of that product. You know, we're talking we're talking Tide detergent, Coca-Cola and Barbicide, Crest toothpaste and Skippy peanut butter. These are brands that are ubiquitous and beloved icons of 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 their industries. I would actually take that a step even further because you know, I would put Barbicide as far as the branding goes on the level of like Xerox, Jello, Band-Aid, so, like, those Band-Aids are not the adhesive bandages. They're called adhesive bandages, but everybody knows them automatically as Band-Aids. You know, the, that, that's one of those things that when you have a brand like that, uh, sometimes you get a little itchy when someone says, go mix the Barbicide, and they come out with a concentrate bottle of the other guy's stuff. Uh, because, quite frankly, sometimes that market distinction gets a little fuzzy when you when you literally own the category. Oh, absolutely. I can literally have a conversation like you were talking about, someone who's not involved with the industry at all. I can say Barbicide, and they pretty much know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Yep. And if I get that weird look, it's the blue stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. yeah, congratulations on that. So why does it work as well as it does? I mean, it's it's the industry standard, but why does Barricide itself just work as effective as a disinfectant as it does? Well, the, the, you know, Ben King in a apartment in New York City in his bathtub created the formulations the original formula for barbicide uh literally was created in a bathtub he was experimenting with cleaning products specifically some some disinfectants that at the time were sort of modern innovations in in disinfection and he not unlike a few other inventors a few generations before he had a particular penchant for trying to address what he believed were sanitation and infection challenges in our industry. The story is he had an itchy scalp from some contamination that he had come in contact with through visiting a barbershop. And he set out to fix the problem. And, uh, you know, today, Blue Co Brands, uh, based up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Blue Co., which is Barbicide's parent company, is a subsidiary of a larger company. They picked up the brand that's coming on maybe about 15 years ago, almost, that the brand was sold uh, by the original family to the folks up in Wisconsin. Uh, and they continue that legacy of a category-leading product that, quite frankly, does its job. I imagine you've been to several shops and you've seen a lot of people using it. What... And I, I guess let, let me start from where, where I've come from with with my own experiences from seeing people use it. Uh, and may, maybe you can speak to what you've seen with it. I can walk into any barbershop and probably, probably any salon, and I can see jars on the stations being used improperly. And I'll tell you what I mean. It's like you can see different concentrations of the barbicide to the water. You, know, you see the lighter is like really, really dark. Uh, you can see it maybe halfway full and combs and tools just sitting in there halfway in there. Some were just a little bit at the very bottom. Uh, I've seen pre-mixes, which maybe are, maybe are not. It, it just seems to be a, a very, it seems to be a process that's not used correctly in a lot of places. Half of me you know, the the, uh, the judgmental side of me wants to be the one that says, oh, all oh, you guys are being lazy, blah, blah, blah. But there's got to be something else to that. What are your experiences with it not being used properly? I'm not going to I'm not going to go lazy only because uh, out of respect for an industry in which I believe is some of the hardest working people in the world. Um, I, yeah, I'm probably not lazy. I think a lot of it. You know, I'm going to take credit. I'm going to take blame. I'm going to say it's my fault. I'm going to say it's my fault because as the point person for Barbicide with regards to education, I think it is some gaps in education. And I'm working hard and I'll keep working hard to reach. And, you know, I wanted to come talk to you about this. I want to reach as many people as I possibly can and share the gospel of disinfection. And I think, you know, again, it comes back to that lack of of fully informed individuals, but let's talk about what we see that's not right versus what we see that's right. Couple things. Number one, let's talk about the color of barbicide. I wore a blue shirt today because I know we're going to be talking barbicide and I want to be blue. If your barbicide is this color, that's a mistake. 
This is way too blue. Most of the barbicide that you see on the street in the jars on the counters is over-concentrated, meaning they're wasting it. You've got too much concentrate and not enough water, and it's too dark. Barbicide's natural blue color is actually a fairly light blue, lighter than most people are familiar with. And the reason for this is, and there's good and bad here, and I want to make sure you understand it. The reason is shotgunning. What I mean by that is when they go to mix the barbicide, the ratio is 32 to 2 or 16 to 1 if you want to divide fractions. One part barbicide, 16 parts water for dilution. Now, the jar, and Ben King designed this on purpose. The barbicide jar has its origins as a soda straw jar back in the last century with the pull-up lid with the basket in the bottom. It was originally a soda straw jar. And you even see places that use them, barbicide jars, as soda straw jars. We've flipped the other way. But that jar holds 34 ounces of liquid when it is properly filled. Two ounces of barbicide concentrate, 32 ounces of water, bingo, you got yourself the proper formula. So what I tell people is this, measure two ounces of barbicide, get a little measuring cup, pour out two ounces, put it in the jar. Now, the next thing you do is you take a big fat black magic marker, get a Sharpie and put a line on the jar where the two ounces of concentrate comes to, put that line on the jar right there. It's not gonna wipe off. From now on, you fill it with water. The next time, the next day, because we're going to get to the second bad habit, when you dump the jar, you fill to the line with concentrate and then fill with water. You don't ever have to measure again. You'll know you've got it right every day after day one. So number one is improper concentration. Now, keep in mind, if you are over-concentrating the solution, it's still going to effectively kill things, but it's very wasteful. You're throwing money down the drain. If you're under concentrating, not enough concentrate, you may not be effectively killing everything you hope to kill. So there's a very strong argument to just get it right, please. Number two, dumping the jar. The barbicide jar is to be dumped every day, at the end of the day, at the close of the business day, as part of your close out, close down, clean up to go home routine, you dump out the barbicide jar. Barbicide concentrate overnight. Some of the water will evaporate, thereby impacting the concentration. Throughout the day, every time you take a comb out of the jar, a little bit of solution goes away with the comb. So the level in the jar is beginning to drop. One of the no-nos we see from time to time is as the level in the jar drops, and to your point earlier, the combs aren't completely submerged, we will see people topping off the jar, pouring extra water in the jar to raise the level up. But now you've over diluted. You're no longer properly concentrated and you've compromised the jar's ability to do its job. The other thing you got to keep in mind is if you're putting dirty combs in barbicide, which you should not be doing, only clean combs, and I'll explain what I mean by clean, go in the barbicide jar. But if you're putting dirty combs right off a client into the barbicide, number one, it's wrong. And number two, you're contaminating the jar. So let's cover some definitions. We have sanitation and disinfection, sanitizing and disinfecting.
Sanitizing is the removal of surface dirt and contamination. Sanitizing is done with soap and water. Disinfection is the elimination of microorganisms. That's done with barbicide solution. So the proper routine is use a comb. Set the comb aside. I worked in a shop most recently. We had sinks at each station. I tossed used dirty combs in the sink. You may use a disposal bin. You may use a transfer bin of some kind in the sink. When you have accumulated a quantity of combs, soap and water to sanitize. Shampoo works fine. It's right at the station. Put a shot of it in the sink, run the warm water, soap them up, rub them all, get them all covered with soap and water and rinse them off. These combs are now clean. They are sanitized, but they're not yet disinfected. Clean sanitized combs go in the jar, full submersion, full immersion in the jar below the top of the liquid line. Now, if you're doing big batches of combs, eight, 10, 12 combs at a time, it's okay if the level has dropped a bit because by virtue of volume displacement, you drop those combs in, the level's gonna come up and everything's gonna be fully covered. 10 minutes later, they come out. I'm gonna say that again, 10 minutes later, they come out. This is another area where we talk about improper use of the product. Combs don't live in barbicide. Combs don't stay in barbicide. 10 minutes, set a timer. I tell people, use your color timer. 10 minutes, when the timer goes off, combs come out of barbicide, they get rinsed, patted dry with a towel, and put in a closed container, a cabinet, a bin, a box, a drawer, a closed container. Those combs have now been cleaned, sanitized, disinfected, dried off, and stored. That's what we're looking for. That identifies some of the challenges we see. Improper mixing, combs in too long, um, topping up the liquid, not dumping it every day. I'll tell you this. One of my big messages from Barberside, you heard me say already, there aren't a whole lot of new customers. Everybody on the dealer side is buying the product. And there are not a lot of new customers on the user side. Just about every stylist and barber in America buys our stuff. Thank you very much. My job, the most important thing I can do as I represent the brand is try to encourage people to dump the product more often. Because we have people that dump it every week. We have people that dump it every month. We see people that never dump it. That when it gets down and gets a little light, they put a shot in, they put more water in and they just keep filling it back up. Not good for your customers. Not good for your business. Not good for your reputation. And it's not good for barbicide. I need you to dump it. I need you to dump it every day at the end of the day. You uh, inadvertently or inadvertently just verified something which I do at my station. And people look at, uh, I've seen other barbers look at what I do. It's like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so I keep a box, a, a big old plastic box in my bottom drawer. Things be disinfected. And I've got some 40 freaking combs. And I'll use them. I'll put them right in that box. And at the end of the day, wash them, disinfect, you know, do sanitize, disinfect, and handle that at the end of the day. One time, I'm not going through one jar over and over and over you again. Can, yeah, you can batch them like that for sure. And 
you know, a couple things here. I sell a lot of combs. People come up to my booth at show, they buy a lot of combs. I buy combs when I was, you know, I buy combs now 432 at a time. When I was cutting hair, I bought combs by the dozen. You don't buy, well, you find a comb you like, you don't buy one. People come up to my booth, they buy one comb. I, and I'm sitting there in my head, I'm going, one comb? What are you doing with one comb? How are you serving a, a clientele and a business with one comb? They, you know, somebody buys a dozen combs, I know they get it. That's it for today's episode of Beyond the Barber's Chair. I put links for my guests and for anything we discussed in the description. I hope you got something great and that it helps you as a barber and in life. If you like the podcast, I hope that you will tell a friend about it and subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming shows. I'll see you next time as we go beyond the barber's chair.